passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome to another episode of Thunderstruck, a podcast dedicated to looking at the greatest matches in the career of one Jushin Thunder Liger, as picked by each and every uh, unique standalone guest of this series. My name is WH Park. I'm the host of the show. And uh, of course, I also co-host the Post Perez uh, podcast with John Pollock here at postwrestling.com. And I'm very excited about this episode. Joining me today is another uh, host of a podcast here at postwrestling.com. He's, uh, he does the British Wrestling Experience with Martin Bushby and Jamesy. He is also uh, the co-host of one of my favorite podcasts, the Grapple Spotlight, which he does with uh, J.P. Houlihan and uh, Joe Lemon. He is the one and only Benno. Benno, how are you today? I'm very well. I was a big fan of your, your G1 series, so I'm made up to be here. You had the Brigadier of Brit Res in Martin. You had Ireland's Greatest Son in JP. I'm just uh, glad I can join the crew. Yeah, I'm really excited about this. And and I was saying to you off air, and I'll mention it for our listeners, is that you know John Pollock, when he was talking about uh, you know the announcement of Thunderstruck on one of the, I think it was Review Raw, he, Rewind Raw, I forget, you know, he was talking with Way about it, and he was like, I don't know who... The, the guests are, but each 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 show's gonna have a unique guest. And I, he's like, I hope there's one person he gets. I don't know if he's gotten that person. I hope I hope he's on the list. <laughs> and I I didn't know who he was talking about. So like when I did the show last time, I did the show with him. I said off air, I was like, Who were you hoping I was gonna get? He's like, uh, Benno. And I'm like, Oh yeah, don't worry about it. He's on the list. And he's like, Yes. So w- there's a lot of pressure here, Benno, to have produce <laughs> something that John's gonna really like like listening to. I was going to say, yeah, no pressure. We're going to have to hit all the high spots. We're going to have to talk about the bus. We're going to have to talk about, I don't know, what, what, what do you think John wants to hear us do? Fast and Furious, maybe? maybe. We need to uh, get wild all speed. the bits in to keep an uh, audience of one. Yeah, Wild Speed, mate. It's called Wild Speed here in Japan. <laughs> I love that. Like when, when you sent me those posters on Twitter, of like, it's, what's the, oh, it was like Wild Speed Tokyo Drift. Wild, it's, it's basically Wild Speed all the way through, isn't uh, it? I love it. Sky Mission. Uh, Euro Vacation was one, wasn't it? Euro, Euro, Euro Mission. Euro Mission. The last one was called Ice Break. Wow. So, it's very literal. It's very literal. They they do a lot of name changing of movies here in Japan. Not not everything, but you know, like sometimes I'll see a, <laughs> a movie listing when I'm like, what should I go watch this weekend? And I'm like, what's this movie? And then I click on the poster and I'm like, oh, it's, uh, it's I don't know, Frozen. And they, they call it like Cold Princess or some shit like that. I don't know. 
<laughs> well, that's what we need to start calling the British wrestling experience now. I feel like Euromission. Now that we got Jamesy on, being from Ireland and not from the UK, I think that makes sense. I'm gonna I'm gonna have a word with the uh, Brigadier of Brit Res. You let the Brigadier know that. By the way, you know. Coincidentally, I'm going to be meeting uh, the Brigadier in January because he's coming here for uh, uh, Wrestle Kingdom week. And uh, turns out, mm. coincidentally, I did not plan this, that we are staying in the same hotel. So it'll be myself, uh, John Pollock, Wei Ting, uh, and Martin Bushby and his wife. Wow. All staying in the same hotel. You know, it's, it's just really, uh, I was like, by the way, are you staying in this hotel? He's like, yeah. Oh, so are we. He's like, oh, that's brilliant. I'm like, <laughs> great, so... You can have like oh, that's a awesome. I'm absolutely jealous. Uh, well, uh, Davey and Braden are going as well, aren't they? I think the whole van's uh, going. Except... I don't think they have the money. But... Oh. I, oh, well. I think they can Braden, those next year. I, I think Braden's still recovering financially from his trip two years ago, maybe. Mm, yeah, yeah. Well, it, while Post was launching, uh, it sounded like he was having the time of a lifetime. It's something I really want to do. My girlfriend's been to Japan a couple of times, and she's always saying we could go, and maybe I could go see, you know, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, and she could go off and do some touristy stuff. Don't think this year is going to work, but maybe next year we can uh, we can all meet up. Well, hopefully, I'm uh, hopefully I'll still be here. It's up in the air, like when when a might mm. uh, inevitable departure from Japan is going to happen. It might might be next year, might be two years from now, might be three years from now. I I have no idea. It's just, but I, I do think it's in the cards. Um, but yeah, like back to John. Like I think we have to try to have a good enough episode where he might just listen to it at one point two five speed instead of one point five. <laughs> Uh, that, that's that's what you've got to hope for um, that, that's the goal I mean I, I worry about people trying to listen to me I know because I'm from Liverpool in England I've talked quite fast and probably quite funny for our Canadian and American listeners so I, I try and slow down on the podcast but even I can't imagine listening to me on a, a 1.5 speed I can't imagine I, I usually talk at 1.5 so I don't know what John hears <laughs> when he's listening to uh, our, our, our shows back you know like who knows wow Someone will have to listen to us on point seven five. I think that makes sense. I'll have to. Well, we will. We can ask. We can make a request to John privately and just see what does that sound like, John. <laughs> Anyways, we should we should get to today's topic, which is Jushin Thunder Liger. Now, Benno, you are a longtime wrestling fan, and like, I know you as someone who's an expert on the British wrestling scene. And and like subsequently, I've discovered like what a big old school Ring of Honor fan you were. But I want to know more about like your fandom as it pertains to Japanese wrestling and in particular to Jushin Thunder Liger. Sure, yeah. I mean, for me, uh, the reason I mean the reason I told the ROH show is like Liger was someone who kind of he'd drop in in you know WCW events past and yeah you'd see I'd see him like in the when I used to get uh, videotapes from the. The local video store back when they were a thing, a local video shop, and they'd have like early '90s WCW, and I get to see his matches with with Flying Brian and his other odd appearances that WCW would pour him in, um, and kind of use him randomly, and he always just stood out for me, like him and Muto uh, as, as the great Muto were kind of to be immediately jumped off the page as as stars, and no matter how WCW presented them. You always knew, even me as a kid, knew these guys are big deals. Um, even when it got to like the mid '90s, and WCW was using Liger in, what was it, tequila on a pole matches, and the, the whole Russo booking uh, of Liger. Uh, I think he lost it with was it a tequila bottle that a Juventus Guerrero used against Liger's head yeah, uh, in yeah. the WCW matches. Is that right? Yeah. So I remember, I, like, that was my as a 
had kind of exposure to Liger. You just kind of knew in the back of your head that this is this guy's a, a big deal. Um, and yeah, I mean, I was, you know, I'm someone who's, you know, gone back and, you know, watched the big old Japan stuff, gone back and watched, you know, all of the, the early uh, 90s uh, junior New Japan stuff. Um, and kind of, yeah, you get back into to Liger through that route as well. Um, and yeah, he's just someone who, for me, he's just over the years popped up. I've, I've managed to see him twice uh, in the UK, once in Reading against AJ Styles, uh, and the other time for the in the uh, Super J Cup for, for RevPro a couple of years ago. And yeah, for me, he's just, he's been a, a big constant of, of wrestling fandom, um, both in Japan and, and over in the West as well. So, let's talk about like when he does come over to the UK, what is the response for him? Like with that audience? Oh, he's an absolute hero. That's it. People recognize he's a legend. You know, you get the, you get the classic theme and people, people go to the feet and yeah, it's no, no mistake that, you know, the first British Jacob, that the Rev Poe ran the, you know, they had, they had him in there and they, they put him over because he is such a, such a big star. And it, it kind of establishes that cup and yeah. Uh, People go absolutely crazy when he comes out. He could have a night off if he really wanted to, because his big spots are, are always going to get over, I think, to, to Western audiences, both in the US and in the UK. But he always puts the work in, and he always just looks happy to be there, doesn't he? He always just he, seems to lap it up when uh, when the British or the American fans go crazy for him. So, yeah, he, uh, he's always a, a big hero over here, and he's, he's treated uh, definitely the right way as the pro wrestling royalty that he is. There you go. Um, so... Coincidentally, we're going to talk about a match you picked that's not in Japan. It's in the West, but it's not in the UK. You picked a match from the United States. And let's let please introduce this match. What match are we going to talk about today? Well, we're going to, you said earlier, I was a big uh, Ring of Honor fan in the mid 2000s. So for me, we'll go up a little bit the beaten track. One of my, just a personal favorite uh, Jushin Liger matches. His visit, his first visit to Ring of Honor uh, in 2004, a singles match against uh, Brian Danielson, obviously now known as Daniel Bryan. Uh, It was kind of, I think it had been half a decade since he'd been over in the US uh, doing the WCW stuff and that that silly stuff with Juventud Guerrero and Psychosis. And yeah, me being a a big Ring of Honor fan in the mid-2000s, it was such a big deal um, that that he was going out there to work for what was my favorite wrestling company at the time. They built it really well, like now treated them like the legend that he is. And for me as well, it came at a time where, you know, although I said earlier, he, he does put the effort in nowadays uh, when he's uh, when he's out abroad. This was, you know, he's, he's a little bit younger, so he's still able to to maybe go, you know, that extra step faster. And it felt like he had a good, a good combination of kind of maybe, well, I guess towards the end of the peak of his career, but, you know, still looking strong and, and getting to go over to the US for a, a really receptive audience. And, you know, if you... You know that that's a dream match to anybody. Daniel Bryan and Jushin Liger. The fact that it that it really happened, and the fact that it happened in the midst of the 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 boom period of probably my favorite wrestling promotion of all time. Uh, for me, it was a it was a no brainer as one to uh, to get on here and uh, and talk to you about WH. Uh, so let's before we get into actual match itself, let's talk about your fandom, uh, Frig of Honor, because you, you know you put out on Twitter earlier that you were doing some research and you went back to the old Ring of Honor uh, message boards and you organized <laughs> a very infamous bus trip for the uh, Ring of mm. Honor uh, UK tour. Yeah, I, I feel like it's my it's kind of my fault why Ring of Honor come back to Liverpool so much because I was one of the... I mean, there was a couple of us. So there was my friend Paul who travelled out with me uh, and a couple of other people that I'd see out there. But there weren't many Brits travelling out to Ring of Honour in 2005, 2004, 2005, 2006. Uh, and I was going you know, with 
an amount of regularity uh, when a handful of times uh, would stay with my friends in Wisconsin and mainly go to the Chicago shows but sometimes I go to the New York shows uh, and I do remember uh, Kerry Silkin coming up to me and kind of saying oh uh, you're from Liverpool aren't you Benno and I was like yeah yeah from Liverpool and he was like yeah well is that a is that a really good wrestling town and I was like uh well kind of but like not really and he was pushing me and pushing me and kind of going, yeah, but, you know, there's a lot, of, there's going to be a lot of wrestling fans there, isn't there? You know, that'd be like a, it's got to be, you know, something of a hotbed of wrestling. And I was like, well, you know, to be honest, like, I don't know many at that time. I didn't know many fans of Ring of Honor from Liverpool. I didn't know many hardcore indie fans. And he looked really, really disappointed. And then a week later, they announced, yeah, Ring of Honor's coming to Liverpool. Uh, and they were doing a show there. And it was their first, first UK tour. And I, I always feel like the fact that I was always an ever-present at those Ring of Honor shows in that period and the fact that i was probably buying so much merch and dvds it probably really looked like they had a spike in interest in the in the liverpool area of england where i lived um and i think it was probably in reality just me and one or two other people uh, but they came over anyway and yeah through my they, i mean they did really well on that that first tour and through my kind of connection with them i was helping doing some local promotion of the show and i was such a big fan i was willing to just traipse around and hand out flyers i had no idea what i was doing uh, i think I, I went to a football game and handed out some ring of honor flyers handed some out to friends and family uh, i probably wasn't the street team they were looking for but because i was such a big fan yeah i got involved with that and then eventually i kind of had the the bright idea of well i'm, I'm helping with the promotion of the show uh, there are going to be a lot of fans like me who, who need to travel down to the they had a show in liverpool and a show in broxbourne uh, and there'll be fans who, like me, want to travel down to Broxbourne, which is the other end of the country. I'll put on this bus trip. Um, and yeah, I put on the bus trip for fans. It ended up uh, being a bus trip, not just for fans, but also for wrestlers as well. Uh, Alex Shane spotted that I was putting it on and ever ever wanting to uh, to save a quick book. Uh, he got in touch with me and we ended up with this weird bus trip, which was like a combination of fans and, and wrestlers and yet uh, some things haven't done that post trip I'm looking to talk about it on your own show so I won't press you on this one but it sounds like you had some <laughs> promotional experience I, Benno so maybe to stave off the demise of Brit Res you should form Pro Wrestling Benno yeah I've got more sense than that WH uh, <laughs> and I think yeah I think you've got to be a certain guy if you're going to uh, throw any money after uh, after wrestling I remember in the mid 2000s having have designs on that maybe I could create my own uh, UK Ring of Honor but I think I'd rather keep that on uh, on EWR and uh, and TW um, that's kind of that's my uh, main experience of booking um, so yeah I think promoting the uh, the shows and helping hand out the flyers and, and organising that bus trip where I actually met Jamesy for the first time who uh, does the business wrestling experience with me uh, is probably the the extent of uh, my promotional skill. Change your mind. I that's that. Don't ever send Facebook messages to talent that you know are, are getting in trouble. What's that? Sorry, mate, you broke off. Oh, sorry. If you ever do become a promoter, don't ever send Facebook messages mm. to talent that are you know causing controversy. That's all. <laughs> Yeah, always seems like a mistake, doesn't it? Uh, deal with that stuff on the phone, I think, is probably my, my best advice uh, for promoters. So let's let's talk about uh, Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, November 5th, 2004 in Ring of Honor. And what city is this in? I think it's in Chicago or Boston? Uh, night one is a Revere, Massachusetts, I believe. So it's like they, I think they kept referring to Revere, Massachusetts as Boston because it's close enough. So yeah. So we, we start off the uh, the video, and 
I, I was this is on YouTube actually, and when I do the show description, I'll link to that uh, official video on on YouTube. But I, I was able to you know acquire uh, my own copy of this show because like I don't feel bad saying that because it's just for the intent, mm. for the express purpose of reviewing this match for the show. So we we start off the video and on commentary is one Jimmy Bauer and CM Punk, and I completely forgot about Jimmy Bauer and. Of course, like let's explain who Jimmy Bauer is. Venom, please do the honors. Who is Jimmy Bauer? <laughs> yeah, one of the worst kept secrets in Ring of Honor. Jimmy Bauer, aka Chris Lovey, who was always a uh, Gabe Sapolsky, the Ring of Honor, uh, the Ring of Honor Booker, uh, and now of all Booker slash WWE agent, I think he is in NXT. Yeah, he uh, he never did a good job of uh, hiding his his, uh, his real identity. I, I do remember like when I first started getting Ring of Honor tapes, like he was originally Chris Lovey. And it was always like, did you know that's Gabe who books it? And then I think during a show once, he, he kind of came out in commentary and was like, listen, guys, I'm going to come clean. Chris Lovey isn't my real name. I'm going to be true to myself and go by my real name. My real name is Jimmy Bauer. And then he went by Jimmy Bauer. It was just, I think it was just to pop himself, really, uh, even though we all knew that it was uh, it was always really Gabe on commentary. And my God, was he a treat. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm kind of like half and half about his commentary, I think, because he's <laughs> he's the booker, so he knows all the storylines, so he's able to get that across yeah. to the fans. But I just found his voice is really annoying, and like some of his mannerisms, mm. it just they just drove me nuts. And I'll talk about that like later on in the match review. But what did you think about his actual commentary? I yeah, <laughs> it, it makes it tough to to watch back, doesn't it? I mean, my. I'll I'll admit myself, like the you know you said earlier about you know getting your hands on this show, like the Ring of Honor haven't done a very good job of putting their old library up uh, as far as on the website goes, and I think a big reason of that is because of the music. I wonder if some of it's how loud and unbalanced some of the commentary is. Like I years ago, I've got basically every I had a pretty much every Ring of Honor show on DVD, and I've now got pretty much every Ring of Honor show on hard drive somewhere. So so I'm covered, but I don't go back and watch it as much as maybe. I would, because I do think the commentary really does date it, and Gabe screaming, and, you know, I can barely talk, you know, being from Liverpool, but mispronouncing words, like, especially was a, was a Gabe favourite. Uh, I just, you, you're right, you get all the factual stuff in, but you can tell he was reading his notes at times, and he got a bit screamy, and the, I did love the dangerous call, uh, as shitty as it was at the time, but it's kind of hard to, to listen back to. Uh, yeah, it does kind of date these shows a little bit, and I've got, like, I'm I'm split like you. I've got like this nostalgic kind of feeling when I hear Gabe commentary. Uh, and CM Punk was great on commentary with him, and he kind of carried the booth. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't date particularly well. Um, and yeah, I think when they when they eventually bought in Dave Prezak and they had the likes of Mark Nulty, and I think the commentary was probably probably better um, than the Gabe Love commentary that that uh, came at the peak of Ring of Honor. Yeah, I always remember when Prezak came aboard, like. He was so subdued compared to like the commentary I would hear. Like I was like from what smart smart mark videos like shows that he would do like IW Mid South and I, I guess of course for his own Shimmer promotion. And then he get to Ring of Honor mm. and I'm like wow he's a little subdued. I think it, it took him a while to find his comfort level where he could just unleash his Prezakness and just go full bore Dave Prezak. Which I was like okay this is good because I, I always thought Dave Prezak was probably the best play by play guy on the Indies at that time. Mm. Oh yeah, definitely. And he was always an obvious pickup for Ring of Honor. It was always strange that they they didn't use him until they did. And then when they did use him, it was kind of 
they used them with Gabe, and then it was he kind of took over more towards the end of the boom period of ROH, and obviously he was doing those TVs on on HDNet. Uh, yeah, they they probably should should have got him in earlier, and I think if they had him, I think these these shows would definitely uh, age a little bit better as well. Probably the best commentary is probably the Kobashi Joe match because there's no commentary on that. Yeah, that's I was at that show live. That was one of the shows I went to. Uh, I got that was a weird one. They had you remember the wrestling channel uh, that they used to have in the in the UK. It was basically they it turned into the UK Fight Network. They had like a a live show over here, and they had a raffle, and the winner of the raffle would get to go to any Ring of Honor show live. And me being the, the big Ring of Honor fan, I bought I bought literally one ticket and won the raffle out of like the couple of thousand people there, and uh, managed to find myself with a, a free ticket to Joe Kabashi. Uh, so yeah, that was a that's probably one of my biggest uh, memories being a, a fan of Ring of Honor, being live at that show. And you're right, yeah, that 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 really did translate better over to the VOD because it was with no commentary. I think uh, a lot of uh, even modern promotions, especially especially the British ones could, uh, could learn from that lesson. Yes, definitely. So let's get to the match. So we start off with Brian Danielson coming out. And Benno, it's amazing. He's wearing his cloak, the hoodie cloak. <laughs> and he's coming out to Osprey. I was just yes. nostalgic. I get in the goosebumps like watching just his entrance alone. Uh, next, <laughs> the, uh, we see the familiar opening of Ikari no Jushin, of course, which is Jushin Liger's theme song. And uh, Liger comes mm-hmm. out and the ROH faithful in Boston go nuts seeing this legend like, like you were saying before like just gets an amazing response every time he comes out to a western audience uh the introductions mm. are done by one bobby cruz who is still with ring of, ring of honor and the ref is todd sinclair <laughs> two of the ever presence of, uh, of ring of honor uh both still there now aren't they yeah i think so like i i, I imagine like you know, unless Ring of Honor closes, that Todd Sinclair has pretty much got a job for life there. And same with Bobby <laughs> Cruz. Life, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so Liger gets into the ring and the, uh, the, the fans in attendance uh, throw streamers for him trying to emulate uh, Japanese fans. Mm. But the thing is, is like, <laughs> here's the thing, Beto. New Japan does not allow streamers. So they're, they're actually throwing, they're, they're kind of inaccurate throwing streamers for a guy who works for New Japan. Yeah. And here's my problem yeah. with people who throw streamers <laughs> at american shows or canadian shows or uk shows good. I've got one too. they're terrible yeah. they're fucking terrible at it no seriously <laughs> there's actually an art and a technique like like i've seen people at cork and hall like prepare their streamers they're they're all color coded like so i'll see like some guy like jushin liger mm-hmm. like he's where his natural colors are like red and white but people will throw in fucking orange and purple and i'm like who who do you think it's fucking wrestling today? It's, it's not fucking like no it's Eagle not, Takata. It's fucking Jushin Liger. You know, it's not that hard. It's not that easy to get your hand on streamers. You know, it's like I remember, like one. Of, I think I went, I went to the Kabashi show and we just we found a party shop and just if they had streamers, we were happy. So we just grabbed whatever. Like my my pet peeve was less the colors and more the timing. Like I, like in American wrestling, it always feels like we should. The, the the fans just desperately want to throw the streamers as soon as possible and i feel like if we all just waited for the announcements and threw them then it'd be a much better visual but you can never get, you always kind of get half the streamers once and then half the streamers when when they actually get announced i feel like the american and, and european fans streamer timing is more the problem than anything um and yeah maybe maybe the technique's not great i think we're all we were all much better at uh, throwing toilet paper for jimmy rave than we were uh, throwing streamers we'll see the problem with the party party streamers, and that's the thing, like, you know, Japanese fans don't use party streamers. They use a special kind of ribbon, mm. and they weight it, like, at the end. So it's not, like, going to hurt anyone. But mm. 
there's some weight to it, so it carries a bit better, and it and it and it like you know unravels a lot better. And it looks amazing in in Japan, and it looks like shit everywhere mm. else. You, everyone's just using party streamers. It's like my god, this looks fucking terrible. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, that's yeah. just my pet peeve about the streamers. And yes, Benno, you're correct. Listen, if you're gonna do streamers, okay, that's fine. Please do it when they announce the wrestler's name. Yes, that's when you do it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's it. I remember. Oh, I was going to say, I remember being at like that that Broxbourne show I mentioned earlier, and uh, I, I, me, Jamesy, and a couple of other people went to the local supermarket and literally, rather than I think people were throwing pink streamers for Jimmy Rave at the time, but we stocked up on about fifty packs of toilet paper and had to explain to the guy working there why we needed such toilet paper. And I will say. You know, I, I piled all this toilet paper into the venue and there were people stealing toilet paper off me to, to throw at Jimmy Rave. But I think our timing was better then. I remember that being thrown at the at the right time. So maybe that's what it needs. Uh, maybe a, a British audience or for it to be toilet paper for us to get it right. So you're saying that Western audiences are full of shit. <laughs> hey, you're saying it. <laughs> oh, well, you're, I think you're implying it. I'm just giving voice to it. But, but anyways, <laughs> let's get back to the uh, to the match itself. Uh, so uh, we get back to the match. The code of honor is followed. Uh, the match starts with some grappling and mat work with two of the best to ever you know do just pure wrestling. Like I think a lot of th- times, like what gets lost in the conversation with Liger is really how great of an actual technical wrestler he is. Mm. Oh yeah, he's so good, and like a, a match. I think I'm so used to seeing kind of. Uh, I mean, I love Liger now, but getting to see him, you know, here a little bit younger and a bit more. He was so willing to go for it with with Brian and do that sweet science in the beginning, uh, and kind of. I think I, I noted he kind of he got the uh, the surfboard uh, early on with the dragon sleeper remove. Uh, Brian would would often do as well. He was well up for that that side of things. He knew he was in there with. He treated Brian like an equal in those early stages, which I loved, especially even even on the handshake at the start. It, it felt like the you know Brian not being just some happy to be there mark, kind of you know making establishing he's there on even footing by initially refusing the handshake and then giving it, and then exchanging in very even terms the the technical side. It kind of met you know got to remember at this time you know Lag is a legend and Brian was still on the come up, even though many of us thought of him as the the best in the world. I felt like it was a really smart decision to do that in the opening st- strides of the match left brian do a little bit more stretching and lean into his heel side but mostly make clear that these are two of the best in the world and they're, they're very much on, on even foot well, definitely i think liger has been well known for being willing to put people over as well as being like someone who mm-hmm. has his finger on the pulse of modern wrestling like i think he's very in tune with what's happening even to to this day i think he's aware this guy's hot this guy's hot this person's like a great talent we should I want to work with these people. So definitely evident in, in 2004 when he goes over to work, work with uh, Brian Danielson in Ring of Honor. Um, so we, a punk on commentary is running down the history of Jason Fendler-Riger and, and takes, talks about his weight training at this point in time, which accounts for his power game like that, that he kind of displays during this match, Benno. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, he looked. Uh, he definitely looked the bigger of the two. Uh, and yeah, I thought the commentary did a good job of putting that over and putting over, you know, uh, Brian's uh, past in in, uh, in in New Japan as well. Was the was that a shoot? Because like there was a Brian promo. I did end up watching the whole show. And earlier on the show, Brian mentions uh, like uh, all these wins that he's had in New Japan, and that you know it was just like it was the one guy he hadn't beat. Uh, I wasn't there closely following New Japan at that time, but that feels like spending the truth now. No, well he did. 
did work in New Japan at the time. He was in a tag team with mm. uh, Christopher Daniels doing the mm. Korean Man gimmick, and they were uh, the IWGP Junior Tag Champions at one point. And the, he had a lot of like, mm. he was someone that they were very high on in New Japan at that time mm. because of the way he wrestled. Um, he had a singles match with Tanahashi for the U30 title. I don't know if you're familiar with that belt. It's, it, U30 basically means under 30. It was for the young people in the company. So, oh, so right. he, if you can track down Tanahashi versus Brian Danielson for the U30 title, watch it. It's amazing. This is before Tanahashi's a star, but you can tell what a great wrestler mm. he will eventually end up becoming. And his chemistry with Danielson is just fucking amazing. So I, I urge people oh, to go, go watch that match. I think you could probably find it. It's it's floating out there in the internet, I'm sure. Um, we go back mm. and to the match. And uh, at this point, Danielson tries the surfboard on, on Liger, getting some heel heat for that. But Liger is able to power out of it and then applies the surfboard onto uh, Danielson himself. Uh, from there, uh, he then transitions to his beautiful modified dragon sleeper that where he still has like the surfboard but the, the opponent's on the mm. knees, and then he just reaches back and just cr- like just draws their head backwards and applies a dragon sleeper. I love this move, Benno. Yeah, me too. That's it. And it like I say, it was a move they, they could both do and a move that Brian would do more and more in like the years uh, going forward too. Nice little kind I felt like a nice little uh, story point there to kind of show the the mirror image of the two. Um and Liger showing uh, this young upstart Brian uh, how it's done. Yeah, Danielson is able to escape by going for Liger's eyes. Uh, at this point on commentary, Benno, uh, Gabe starts plugging the uh, straight shooting interview with Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, <laughs> I actually have yeah. and I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's kind of yeah it's with the translator isn't it and it always sounded bad that was like that was the ring of honor model at the time wasn't it they bring in a big name and they do a shoot interview so they kind of kept that model for Liger. i love on the commentary though yeah like you said uh gabert giving the hard sell giving that that number will be bent in my brain forever two on five seven eight one twenty five hundred and he repeated it like the he'd always do it every main event he'd go into a pitch mode uh, for Gabe. He, w- he was never quite Don West, but he did his best. Uh, but yeah, they never they never quite sold me on that DVD, to be honest. It didn't sound like the uh, the most enthralling watch. It was terrible, Benno. I actually have it. I ordered it from their website. Uh, yeah, 215-781-2500. Someone please call that in the United States if you're listening to this. <laughs> I, I want to know yeah. if that phone number is still valid and who, who answers that phone number. So yeah. <laughs> I hope we get a yeah, Somebody at Sinclair, maybe. Okay, at at, uh, what's your Twitter handle again, Beto? Uh, Benson Richardy. At WHFark9. If you call that number, please, and someone picks up, please tweet us and, and tell us who, who answers that phone. Anyways, uh, <laughs> from here, Danielson turns the uh, title of the match to his favor. Oh, sorry. I uh, got ahead of myself. Uh, Liger hits a plancha on Danielson, who's on the floor. And uh, then Danielson is able to turn the tide of the match to his favor with a series of strikes uh, using uppercuts, chops, forearms, and headbutts. Uh, Liger is sent to the floor himself by a big Danielson dropkick. Daniel follows, uh, follows Liger to the floor and continues his assault on Liger, including whipping him to the unique ROH mm. steel barricades. Unique! They're unique, Ben. Like Gabe said, or sorry, Jimmy Bauer said, these are the unique Ring of Honor steel barricades. What the fuck is he talking about? What's unique about this Look, shit? Man, when I 
<laughs> when I used to make my trips out, the big reason I would want to be front row is so I could be one of those guardrail slappers at the front, uh, making all of the noise, slamming on the guardrail. Um, I don't know, the fact that it's got a big logo on it, the fact that it's a big metal plate. I did feel like it was a big part of like the Ring of Honor presentation. They even, when they came to the UK, they, they flew those over. Uh, that's how important it was. I don't know, as a, as a proud uh, ROH bot, I was, a, I was a big fan of the guardrails. And uh, anytime I got to slap them was a, a big occasion. And it was cool as well getting like it was cool seeing Liger do anything in the Ring of Honor kind of surroundings, but I did kind of have that note that getting to see Liger take guardrail bumps on those on those famous uh, ROH guardrails, I thought that was uh, that was kind of cool, and it showed how, how what poor he was. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. But I gotta say, Gabe is very very proud of them, just the way he <laughs> he effusively talks about. You know, what? get let's get to the crowd. It's amazing to me, Benno. Like, I'm looking at this crowd. No one is on a smartphone. No one is looking at a screen. <laughs> People are, are taking pictures mm. with actual cameras, including this one older gentleman who's using a disposable film camera. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> Most of my uh, ROH pictures from that period, though, yeah, are on an old uh, disposable camera. It was, a, it was a different time. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's so weird seeing, like, uh, Brian, like, flipping off the fans. But let's be honest, you know, they probably deserve it. These these are ROH fans. Like, mm. you know, like I was an ROH fan. I, I got to say probably watching the shows as as I do, like, and I watch these shows and I'm like, wow, I would probably enjoy being in this audience, but probably I wouldn't because there's probably a lot mm. of assholes in this, in this crowd. What, what about your own live experience, Benno? What is the asshole quotient at, in a Ring of Honor show at this time? Yeah, I mean, especially these big East Coast shows weren't always the best because like, Ring of Honor were presenting, you know, earlier on the show, they had CM Punk who was presenting as a babyface, and there was just a portion of that crowd that were wanting to boom no matter what, and it killed, like, uh, the big moments uh, in his match, and I think he had the segment with Mick Foley the night before, and it was kind of that area, you know, New Jersey, Philadelphia, Boston... It did have probably a greater quotient of, uh, of dickheads, I would say. But to be honest, I was watching the show, looking at that same front row as you, and thinking, oh, I recognize him. There's Greg H. There's Spanky Dave. There's Green Lantern fan. <laughs> thinking, God, these are all these people that I would meet at like the uh, the, the fan meeting greets before the shows and, uh, and speak to. So I don't know, WH, maybe, maybe I'm one of the dickheads. Maybe uh, uh, maybe it's me that you're uh, talking we about. We this show right now. Forget it. I'm going to call John and say, <laughs> this, we're scrapping that whole episode, John. We'll have to get someone else. No, no, no. Um, <laughs> I, I've i been to, like, uh, Ring of Honor shows in upstate New York, and I've been to, mm. of course, tons of shows in Toronto and the and the greater Toronto area. Um, so a lot of those guys didn't come up to those shows. As far mm. as I knew, I, didn't, I never sat front row, so I, I can't tell you if I ever saw, you know, Green Lantern fan in person. Though, much to, I would <laughs> love to have met Green Lantern fan. So maybe we'll talk about Green Lantern fan at the end of this review. Uh <laughs> Back to the match, uh, Danielson hits the airplane spin on Liger and then hits a rolling slam but misses a diving headbutt. Uh, Liger is able to hit a series of Shote palm strikes after missing his own diving headbutt. Uh, Liger hits a top rope Frankensteiner for only a two count. Uh, Danielson blocks another Shote with a beautiful dropkick to Liger's left arm. He then proceeds to work work over that arm. So I, this match became a Jamesy special, Beto. 
<laughs> oh yeah, J- James would be uh, be loving this. Hopefully, if he if he watches it back, he loves a loves a bit of limb work. Uh, I I love the uh, like so that airplane spot into them both missing the like the Benoit headbutts. A nice little throwback to when it when you were allowed to uh, to do pay tribute to Chris Benoit. <laughs> I enjoyed that, and yeah, I enjoyed the uh, the massive response when Liger those uh, those big show takes. Uh, Danielson hits a German suplex for a two, but he follows up with the my favorite move in his repertoire, at least. Back then, the cattle mutilation. I just love this move, Fenno. <laughs> yeah, he needs to bring that back. Every now and then, he'll, he'll do it in a WWE match, and it gets crickets because people just don't know. But I'm like, I'm, I'm doing a Jamesy. I'm jumping up in my in my living room, loving it every time. Yeah, he, uh, he gives us a throwback to that. What a, what a great finish! Terrible name. I think he changed it to Arms Across America at one oh, point yeah, as well. That's right. Don't know if that's any better. I I, but, but still, I like cattle mutilation. I I think it's kind of like unique. I, it kind of kind of creates this mm-hmm. image that he's like kind of like slaughtering his opponent's shoulders and arms with with that move. <laughs> I, I kind of like it. So uh, from here, so Liger's yeah. in the cattle mutilation. He doesn't submit. So Danielson goes for a cradle pin for for another two count. He goes for another pin attempt. Two a dragon suplex. Two. This is turning into like a, a Rob Van Dam or I don't know, like maybe a Lance Storm Jerry Lynn special at this point. Uh, he, the catamulation is put on Liger again, but Liger gets his foot on the rope, so he's able to like withstand the brutality of this move that most cows would have been killed from. Benno just shows you the power of uh, of Jushin Liger. Yeah, he, uh, he, <laughs> I'd love to see Brian try that on a cow. I wonder if it works. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I, I, I mean, like they don't have shoulders, so like 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 a, like a human. Uh, yeah. like, I mean, they, they have shoulders, I guess. But not like human shoulders, so it it wouldn't work. Maybe so. Be tough. He's a vegan, so he would never hurt hurt an animal now. So it's, it's unlike that. <laughs> Very true. Uh, from here, Liger hits a beautiful brainbuster. He just gets him up, and drops him right down on their heads, and but he's protecting them the whole time. He then signals for another mm. shote and connects. Uh, Liger goes for a Liger bomb, but uh, Danielson. Okay, just this incredible series of moves and counter moves that's just like i kind of think Mm -hmm. it's a a lost art these days like now it seems more like a dance especially with like the top end of you know like new japan with like people like okada and and my favorite wrestler and Mm -hmm. joe lemon's favorite wrestler jay white it it, it doesn't seem as like (laughs) natural like this seems like a wrestling match where people are like scouted their opponents and they're like okay i know what you're gonna do i'm gonna i get counter for that i know what you're gonna do you got to counter for this and, and so forth and so on. So I kind of miss this style of like finishing stretches and matches, Benno. Yeah, it, it kind of felt more organic. That was a big note for me watching it being a, you know, a 15 year old match. Like you did have those big counters, but they didn't go into to overdrive and there wasn't, you know, the, I, I do love like the Okada wrist clutch stuff, but maybe they, they do it too much. And you're right. Jay White's one of the, the biggest offenders for the, the endless kind of, finisher counters but yeah i think because it came right after that they had like that period you mentioned then of uh of brian getting quite a few near falls with with roll-ups and uh, and kind of give, making it believable that brian could grab the win at any point i love that this kind of followed it and you kind of got you know it looked like lager was going to take us home and we got to see you know brian just about get out of the power bomb but then get caught with the capo kick you're right it felt it felt natural it felt like yeah brian brian knew the the, the running power bomb was coming but he hadn't counted on the uh, the capo kick that could uh, that could follow it was just a, a great sequence of, uh, of two masters, I'd say. Uh, from there, Liger, Liger is able to actually hit the uh, Liger bomb this time, but only gets a two. So, like, there, 
Liger is definitely like, okay, you can kick out of my big moves because I believe you are the mm-hmm. future of wrestling. And what, 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 what do you know, Benno? He was right. Brian Danielson would actually eventually become the future of professional wrestling on a large scale. Uh, at this point, Gabe is just going absolutely mental on the commentary. <laughs> it's, 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 I think this is the point where like, I actually enjoy where he's like his enthusiasm takes over the the pitch man part of his personality and he's just like loving what he's mm. seeing on screen. Uh, Liger goes for his top rope avalanche brainbuster and after a bit of a struggle, <laughs> bit of a struggle, he finally hits it for the one, two, and three. So an amazing finish. He busts out like his super finisher. Uh, kudos to Daniel, you know Brian Danielson for for taking that move. Like you know because I I don't know too many people. Like, not that he, you know, would have much of a choice, you know, at this point in his career, but mm. it's it's a big ask to to ask to think, okay, you're gonna we're gonna be on the top rope, you're gonna lift me up in a suplex, in a vertical suplex on the top rope, <laughs> and then you drop me on my head and you're gonna protect me the whole time. Okay, let's do it. But it's it's Jushin Liger. Yeah, that's it. It's only fair. Uh, I think I think a big part of it, it's like by design, isn't it? Like you said, the gave Brian that big kick out that kind of you know even in loss he got to, to look strong and it took a super brain buster to beat him i think you know brian's obviously you know ring about his guy uh at this period and you know we would maybe a couple of years later go on to to properly be that but if he's going to be losing to you know the outside star bigger star as he is justin lager I, I like that as a nice thing although you know lager was always going to go over he had to do something drastic to beat danielson and it gave you know the match was very good but it kind of i'd forgotten this was the finish and it was a nice big punch at the end of the match to maybe even take them the match up another notch making its biggest bump and its biggest move be the finish imagine that eh? um but yeah again two masters so it made sense for me and yeah gave uh definitely gave brian something and of course you referenced this earlier then for this move Yells, Gabe yells out his trademark dangerous <laughs> call like he was calling oh. uh, a night 19- from like Budokan Hall. I gotta be honest, I fucking hated when he did that. I found it so annoying. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved that, that and the uh, the crash and burn dangerous. That was another one he do when uh, when people would mess up a spot. Uh, yeah, it was like it was this catchphrase he was endlessly trying to get over that maybe didn't quite get over to the level he wanted, but it gives me a bit of a nostalgia. So I like. You know it. what reminds me of that? Like in current wrestling, is uh, Kevin Kelly's uh, Destino call, which I I absolutely despise mm. when he does that because for me, like I think this is what I have a problem with, like Kevin Kelly doing that call and and Gabe doing the dangerous call. It's like they're trying to emulate like parody Japanese announcers, and I don't. I don't feel mm. my personal feeling on this is, and I get, I grant, I granted, I'm probably an outlier in this. I'm probably on an island about this, and that's fine. I don't expect other people to agree with the opinion, but to me, it just feels like they're kind of making fun of the way Japanese announcers call matches, and it's like, look, you know, you guys are that much better. It's just a different culture. It's like, it's like uh, cultural relativism, you know, that they're projecting onto this. And mm. I don't know, like I studied anthropology in, in university, so like these kind of things, like are always percolating in the back of my mind. And I'm just like, yeah, that shit. When you call it Destino, fuck both of you. Anyways, that's my rant over on that. Um, anyways, the, the match is over. And of course, in the front row, across from the hard cam, is someone we referenced, Benno. GLF, Green Lantern fan. Of course, the first thing he does as soon as this match is over, stops his, stops his stopwatch. And then he starts clapping. It's amazing. <laughs> 
Uh, that's that's the man we've got to we've got to uh, thank for the uh, cage match having the correct times for the, for these shows. Uh, you always need a man with a stopwatch in the in the crowd. Um, a man after uh, John Pollock's uh, own heart. Uh, I knew Green Lantern fan a little bit in this period. Like I'd meet him at like some of these shows, and we always got on. And then I think we were friends on Facebook. And a couple of years later, after not speaking to him for a while, I thought it was his birthday on Facebook. I wished him a happy birthday. And then the next day, I noticed he deleted me as a friend on Facebook. So I was like, you know what? I used to be a fan of Green Lantern fan. And now I'm going to join in with everybody else who uh, who called him a dickhead. Wow. He got a lot of hate on like all the message boards, you know, like on DVDR. Mm. I don't know if he was ever active on the uh, uh, F4W uh, message board. I'll have to ask Alan Farrell about that. But he would just like put mm. out the most inane post not that that we should you know like judge someone like that though we are you know we're in the era of wrestling twitter at, at its height of toxicity but um i don't know like just for me mm. like i never had a like actual problem with greenland fan on message boards i just like ah whatever he has an opinion it's he's entitled to it but then i'd see him at shows and he's just like comes across as like he's always standing up you know what like he's like standing up and it's yeah. like, dude you're in the front row you don't need to fucking stand up there's someone behind you Show some consideration for that person, please. Like, if everyone else is standing up, it's okay. But there are points where he, no one else is standing up, only him. And it's just like, I, I'm not a big fan of fans who, you know, kind of behave that way, Ben. No, no, that's it. Yeah, you got to got to think about the people behind you. And I think a lot of that's by design as well. I think, uh, I think Lantern fan was, you know, again, a fan with a gimmick is always going to be wanting to uh, maybe get a bit of attention on them and always wearing the, the Latin jersey and stuff. I think even though we got a lot of heat from people, I think he I think he loved the heat. Uh, I think he was well into it. There was, as I just remembered, there was a time like one, one of the New York shows I went to, I think I was supposed to be, I think I'd arranged through the ROH message board that I was going to be staying at his house. But again, he binned me off for, uh, I think Jack Evans and Teddy Hart were staying with him instead. So I had to uh, go and find an alternative arrangement. So maybe I shouldn't defend him so much. Uh, Maybe uh, maybe it's the the heel that everyone talked about him as. I you okay? Wait a sec. So you you might have had an, a chance to stay overnight in the same house as Teddy Hart and Jack Evans. <laughs> I, I'm I'm trying. I regret I'm, it every day. Trying to imagine what that would have been like for you, Benno. Like, do you think about that? It's like, what would have happened if if I got to witness that in person? Oh, one of the great near misses of my life, to be honest. Yeah, I should have still gone through with it. Um, so that's fine. You know, me, Jack, Teddy, his cats. Could have had a, a, a whole uh, little party. Uh, instead, I think I, st- I slept on the floor at Grand Central Station. That's what, that was my uh, alternative plans. And I could have been partying with Teddy Hart and Green Lantern fan. What a, what a miss. That's a, You know what? That's one of my biggest regrets in wrestling now that I think I about it. I bet they destroyed his place. I bet you that's what happened. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it- <laughs> Nailed him fucking weed in there or something i don't know uh so back to the match uh the crowd is giving this a, a standing ovation obviously of course it's a great match the uh, the code of honor is followed afterwards and uh they plug the the, the next night there's going to be a big tag match Ben, what, what's the tag match the next night with the uh, liger and danielson yeah, it's kind of weird the way they do this. I understand why, but they did the same with when Kiboshi came over and I was at those shows. Like, the, they had the, the big singles match on the first night, and then the following night, you got like the dream tag team situation. So it was Liger and Samoa Joe against uh, Danielson and Loki. Um, and Loki was. was right in the middle of his gangster key Rottweilers gimmick at this point. So it was a bit of a, an odd tag team part for Danielson. You'd probably imagine normally in like wrestling, the way wrestling would normally work, the tag would be night one. 
And then night two, with I think it had, they had a much bigger crowd. It was in uh, New Jersey the night two. You'd imagine that would be the big singles match. But I think Gabe was always wary of kind of giving away the first contact between Liger and Danielson in a in a Ring of Honor ring in, in a tag match. And the same with Joe and Kabashi. So he, he he put the singles match on night one and the tag on night two. Um, but yeah, it was a big part of the weekend. This happening as well. I thought that was a, a really good match and you know allowed them to uh, sell another a uh, lot of those uh, lovely DVDs with those. Uh, the great white covers. I don't know if you've seen them, like the cartoon style uh, Weekend of Thunder covers. Uh, they came there. Uh, they were great as like a, a little two-pack and, and kind of gave them a, a bit more of the money's worth with having Lager. So I have an entire collection of Ring of Honor DVDs. So I, when Ring of Honor started, I was one of the first people on board. I have VHS tapes of like the first five shows and then they switched to DVD. I have mm-hmm. every DVD from the first show up until probably the, the Tyler Black title reign and then I think that's when they started going on HD and I just like stopped. I was like, okay, I, I, I started buying them like automatically and I just never watched them. And I just like, this is a complete waste of money. Like I can probably get these on like, you know, other ways and save myself. And I mm. felt, I felt at that time, like, you know what? I gave these guys so much money in terms of DVDs. Cause they were like, what? 20, 25. Oh you yeah. A bit of a discount, but still it's like, you know what? I've done my due diligence. I've mm. gone to live shows. I buy t-shirts. Like, if I want to take a bit of a break from <laughs> buying official DVDs and just watching them another way, that's, you know, this is before the internet, too. So, like, you can guess maybe what I'm talking about. I'm not oh, yeah. incriminating myself. I'm going to take the fifth on that. But um, one thing I wanted to, to talk about was, like, I actually skimmed through a lot of it, but I, I would stop at certain points. There's a, I got to ask you, it's unrelated to this this match, Benno, but there's a point where like they're doing this angle with Homicide. He's part of the Rottweilers, which is him, Loki, Julia Smokes, and of course, like, Rock Romero and Ricky Reyes, the Havana Pitbulls. And there's a point where, like, after I think it's after the Homicide match, this this fan runs into Tech Homicide, and mm. the Rottweilers just beat the shit out of him. Do you remember, was this legit, or was this an angle? I can't remember. I think they, I think it, it, I remember at the time maybe thinking it could be legit, but watching it back, I think it was an angle. I think, I mean, they were going hell for leather on this uh, quote unquote fan, but there were a couple. I noticed like just on rewatch the Pitbulls, Reyes and Romero. Romero, by the way, looks like a completely different man, doesn't he? He's a handsome bloke now, but my God, back then uh, when he was younger, he was a he was Stone Cold Fox. <laughs> but like watching them two kind of, and they pulled the strikes a little bit on this fan and, and worked it a little bit. Uh, and it went on a bit too long for me. I loved I loved Loki jumping out of absolute nowhere to just get himself a little bit, little piece of the fan as well. Uh, but yeah, this was during the period where they were, like Homicide was like, Part like work break guy, part like yeah, the bit of new jack too, in that he would you know use weapons and be a bit of a crazed maniac. And they were trying to get like the Rottweilers over as like this dangerous act, um, and homicide over as this dangerous guy. I know there have been real incidents in the past with fans, uh, including homicide and Loki, so I think they were playing off that really and trying to create that that danger element. But it was a, it was a well done angle after, yeah, kind of a throwaway uh, homicide oh, in my match. If I was, if I fell for it, it must have been good because, like, I was like, I, are they really leg into this dude? Is is this a work? Is this? I, I'm not sure. I can't remember like <laughs> what was happening on the message boards at this time, but like, uh, I, I I rely on your mm. on your crack memory or your crack research here oh. to tell me like what was happening during this this particular <laughs> match. But uh, final thoughts on on this match between Danielson and Liger. Yeah, uh, for me, one of my, one of my favorites. It's two of the the best of all time. Uh, going at it, it's funny. Like in this period, uh, 
Ryan wasn't really my guy in Ring of Honor. I was more of a, a CM Punk fan, more of a Homicide fan, more of a Joe fan. Um, maybe later on in his Ring of Honor run, I was I was really uh, into Danielson, especially in his his WWE run. But going back and watching it, uh, I loved it at the time. Uh, but maybe I didn't even appreciate it much at the time. I mean, it's not it's not a five star match uh, by any means. It's just a really tightly worked, nice match between, like I say, Danielson on the come up, you know, moving into the the prime of his career, Liger maybe at the tail end of his, but still able to go. Um, and yeah, one of those matches where there just isn't a wasted motion. Uh, you know, there's no there's no blown spots to be seen here. There's no excess to be seen here. Everything in the match means something. It was well worked. It was tidy, and you know the crowd was maybe a little bit smaller uh, than you might have imagined. There were a lot of uh, empty spots in the crowd, but the crowd were loud for it and were were bang into it. And it, it meant a lot for Ring of Honor at the time as well. They had they had Muter over previously. Um, this was kind of their next like big name they got over in Liger, and it'd be followed by the likes of uh, Kenta Kabashi, Kenta the the Dragon Gate guys etc but for a promotion that was uh, very much on the come up in in 2004 it meant a lot to have Liger here in his first uh, US uh, appearance in half a decade so for me it was a historical one for Ring of Honor and just a a really uh, nice gem of a match that maybe uh, has gone under a lot of people's radars you might not even know that you know uh, Daniel Bryan and uh, and Jushin Liger have have had a singles match uh, in the US for me I'm gonna just echo uh, your sentiment on that and I, I really enjoyed this match I, I i don't think it's like you know an elite level match or anything like that but it is a nice kind of footnote in the career of liger like he's on the decline as you're saying mm. he's on the on the up, uprise like he's early in his career but like you can tell even at this point like he's what like two f- like three four years in the business like at, in ring of honor and he's just like so good at this point in his career it's 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 kind of a you know self-fulfilling prophecy that he did end up reaching the pinnacle of the industry becoming the WB champion and like headlining WrestleMania and like in a pretty popular angle and just beating like you know like three huge stars in Triple H Batista and Randy Orton for the belt um of course he didn't have a sustained run but I think he's done well for himself since but I do think it's it's an it's a perfect mm-hmm. example of like how generous Jushin Thunder Liger is for this guy that you know he's heard of and he's he's creating a buzz for himself. But Liger is under no obligation to do anything for this guy, you know. But he he's bumping for him. He's he's like you know he's he's taking a lot of moves. He's letting him kick out of his big signature moves. So that's that's really telling of like the generosity of Liger and how well he understands mm. how to get people over. Like one thing you you will look at in his career in Japan and like when he does excursions to the West is like. He understands how to get people over and like who to put over. He's not just going to do it for anyone. He's going to do it for the right person at the right time. And I think the decision here, like he 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 won he wins the match, but like what he gave Brian was enough to get Brian over and to get enough heat for Brian to be able to say like, listen, I went toe to toe with a legend in Jason Thunder Liger. So yeah, just a, a match mm. worth going out your way to see. Uh, Beno picked this match, and I was really happy that you did because I hadn't seen it for a long, long time. So uh, it's out there on on YouTube on Ring of Honor's official website if you want to check it out. Um, but yeah, uh, any uh, final thoughts on? Uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll wrap things up here. But Beno, before we go, please plug the the various projects you work on these days. 
Sure, yeah. Uh, I do the British wrestling experience, as you mentioned, at the top of the show uh, for both wrestling with uh, with Martin and Jamesy. As I say, met Jamesy uh, through my Ring of Honor fandom, so there's a nice uh, full circle link back there where we cover British wrestling uh, every other uh, Wednesday on postwrestling.com. And as you mentioned too, uh, I'm the host of Gravel Spotlight with uh, with Joe, Joe and uh, JP, where we used to be a Brit Res podcast, but we've kind of, now that we're the official podcast to grapple, we cover all kinds of things uh, from the US, Japan. We did a, a G1 series uh, over the summer. Uh, we're doing a, a lot more uh, New Japan coverage so that maybe our listeners to this might uh, might enjoy, but we cover pretty much everything. AEW, uh, Brit Res, soaps, uh, other assorted nonsense that's happening in our daily lives. That seems to be the stuff that people really enjoy, so maybe listen to that more than the uh, the wrestling tapes uh, are all grapple spotlights. Well, as you well know, Benno, because I and on Twitter, I am a huge fan of the show, even though I don't understand what maybe like 40% of what you're talking about, <laughs> like the British soaps and, and football players and, and things like that, but there's enough mm. stuff. I, I do understand maybe like 70%. I, I just wish some of you were like fans of Dr. Who so I, and James Bond and talk more about that. Then I'd be like, oh, I understand what they're talking about. <laughs> as far as that goes. <laughs> oh, we'll have to throw some of those references oh, in for I, you. I would appreciate it. But yeah, definitely check out Benno on Twitter. Did we, we gave out your Twitter handle before. Uh, check him out on the British Wrestling Experience mm-hmm. here at postwrestling.com. And of course, the Grapple Spotlight, which I wholeheartedly endorse. It's one of my favorite podcast and and just so i I gotta spoil things for people out there i am gonna have jp and i'm gonna have joe lemon on this on the series that oh wow i'm so looking forward i've I've talked to jp before so i've talked to you now Mm. i am so excited to talk to joe lemon i'm I'm just like i'm just waiting for him to pick a match and then we're gonna schedule a date to record and i'm just like come on joe pick a good match let's talk about stuff but probably it'll be like 40 minutes of just us shitting on Jay White. It could be that. Just so people know. You've been for <laughs> That's what you should do. Just the special events. Just the anti-Jay White show. Just go scorch death on uh, on poor Jay White. Uh, I think that could, there could be money in that. Maybe, maybe we'll have to start up a special uh, a Joe Lemon WH Park uh, Patreon for that. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, I want to thank all the listeners for... Uh, uh, checking us out and all the positive feedback we've been getting. Benno, thank you so much for doing this. I'm. This is like our first time talking. I, I thought it went really well. I, I really enjoyed talking with you. we got to do something again in the future. Uh, and yeah, and so for all the listeners, uh, on behalf of Benno, I'll say thank you for listening and I'll talk to you on the next episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.